We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. jump in because I'm excited about the word this morning. I'm very excited about the word and I'm very excited about the word for a lot of reasons. Because for those of you who might not know me very well, if the enemy had a most hated list, I'm sure I'm on it. I'm pretty sure I'm on it. You guys are probably on it too, but I'm sure I'm up there on that most hated list. And I'm going to tell you why. Because one day I fell in love with Jesus. Oh God. When I found him, like, I've been in church for a long time. I ain't talking about church because I've been in church. I was born in church. I was probably born on a pew. But when I fell in love with Jesus, when I got beyond church and I fell in love with Jesus, yeah. and I found out that there was this whole big version of him that I did not know, that I had been sitting in front of and missing the entire time. And this passion that I found for him and a new understanding for the word and this relationship that I was able to build with the word, I felt cheated because I had been sitting under the truth the whole time. And I missed it. And then I realized somebody must have been lying to me. But I, you know, I took the blame off. I knew it wasn't the church people. I figured out what it was. The enemy let me sit and miss it the whole time. And I built a re resentment about that. So because of that, I've made it my personal mission to make sure that nobody that comes in contact with me has to get tricked up by the lie. Amen. And because I constantly make an effort to make sure I'm constantly presenting truth, living truth, I'm a problem for hell, and I understand that. Yeah. I almost wear that as a badge of honor because you know that I'm not going to let you continue to lie to them in front of me. Amen? So today I'm here on assignment, and that's exactly my assignment. The message God gave me this morning is that assignment exactly. It's to go ahead and expose the lie. So can you guys go there with me this morning? Are you willing to follow along and be the, a good class? Now, I've been accused of being churchy, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach today. I'm going to behave myself. I'm going to teach. I'm not going to get country. I'm not going to get Kojic. I'm not going to go there. So forgive me if I start to get a little rhythmic. I'm going to teach. Today, I'm going to teach. I got notes. I'm going to follow the notes, and I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach today. I'm going to be, and, I, and, and, and I even have points today. Three of them, George. I got three. I got three of them. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm behaving today, I behave. So if I get preachy, I'll bring myself back to the notes because I'm not going to do that because we're in the new place and we're going to be not, we're not going to do that. Okay, but before we do anything, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to stand before you. God, I recognize that it is a privilege to be trusted with your word. So God, I ask God that you would bridle my tongue and yet word of my mouth, God, and only allow me to speak what it is that you have given today. God, I ask that you take over this atmosphere. Let there be no place that we can hide from your presence this morning, oh God. Father, let the word go forth just as clear as you gave it to me. Let me deliver it in the same way and same passion, God. Father God, let it land on ears, seep to hearts, God, and change lives, God. Father God, I ask right now that each and every person under the sound of my voice not just be entertained by what's said, but changed by the word of God. We don't want normal Sunday. God, we want a God experience this morning, oh God. We don't want to check the box and say we went to church. Today, God, we want to say we sat at the feet of the Father and we heard from the throne of God. Speak in this place, oh God. Have your way here. Our hearts are ready, God. Break up the fallow ground around our hearts and let us receive. God, don't 
don't let us miss it. We understand that the enemy is manipulative. He is always on shady, but we shine light in this place today, God. God, and expose your will and your word and your plan for our life. Have your way here this morning, oh God. Speak through me today, oh God. I bind everything that is not like you. Anything that would seek to hinder your move or make your presence uncomfortable, we bind it right now in the name of Jesus. And we say, God, have your way. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We honor you, oh God. And we count these things as already being done in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give God a round of applause in his house? Okay, so we moved here. My family moved here, moved from Florida, from St. Paul, Minnesota. That's how Minnesota people talk, Minnesota. St. Paul, Minnesota, when I was five. And we didn't know anybody because we moved here from my dad's job. And um, my mom wanted to make sure that we were acclimated and we got a chance to meet other people, like-minded people. Um, so she sent us around the corner to um, this, I guess it was like a Bible camp, like a Bible vacation, Bible school maybe. I was five, I don't know, it was like, it was like a week. And it was called Awanas. Yeah, it was called Awanas. And we didn't know anybody. So me and my sister go in. I have a sister. There's only two of us. And she's like two and a half years older than me. So we go into this church, and um, all the youth are there, and everybody's real excited, but we don't know anybody. And they split us up in age groups. And I wasn't going by myself, so they, sent, they let me go in my sister's class. So we're in the classroom. They give us our little camp book, and they tell us, the first, well, no, not the first person. Anyone who memorizes the memory verse, you get a prize. Now, for those of you who know me, I'm about the prize. I'm all about the prize. You tell me what got to get done to win, I'm all about the prize. So I get the book, and I'm thinking, I'm not listening at this point or anything else, because I'm so focused on the fact that when I come back here, I'm getting that prize. Okay, so we get home, and I'm at a disadvantage from the other people in the classroom because I'm five, and they're about seven. And they can read, and I can't read. So they have the scripture written in the book. I get home, and because I can't read it for myself, what I did was I listened to that by my sister while she memorized it. And so she was reading it out loud. And it was John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I listened to her read it, and I listened to her read it, and because I couldn't read, I couldn't do it for myself. So I did what I do when I need to remember something. I put a beat to it in my head. And so all that day, I was, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. All day, over and over, for God. So, even when my mouth was saying it, my body was. <laughs> so, we get back to Awana's the next day, and they, they thought they were going to separate me, but I had to be in that seven-year-old class because I needed that. My prize was in the class. So, we get there, and they're teaching, but I can't hear because all the time I'm. <laughs> Finally, it gets to the time where I get to the, I know, I know my verse. I got my verse, I got my verse, I got my verse. And I stand, you have to stand up to say it. So I stand up to say my verse, and it's, For God so loved the world that he gave his own. But I left with my prize, though. They laughed. They thought it was so cute, but I got my prize. And ever since then, I've remembered that verse. I, I can say it to you front and back, even without the dance. I learned how to do it without the dance. 
for, and even in a preacher voice, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I got the mature version of it. I got it. I got the prize, but I didn't get the message. And all years went on. I built a whole relationship with God. I built a ministry. Got the prize, but didn't get the message. And this morning, I need for you to understand that that is the MO of the enemy quite often. Is that he doesn't matter how often you say it. He doesn't matter how you sing it. Did y'all notice that we sung it this morning? Did y'all notice that that was the first worship song? See, you missed it. You missed it. You was just singing and clapping. You missed it. But that's what he does. He doesn't mind you missing the message. Say it all you want to. Tell anybody you want to, as long as you don't grasp the concept that there's a deeper message. You have to understand that that is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. Because it's right there in that scripture that our Savior is given. So you miss it. You miss it because it's just, mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Y'all are going to remember that verse, at least that part from now on, just, just, just from there, just from there. But he doesn't want you to completely understand or to be able to leave with an understanding of just how powerful that verse is. You see, the enemy is very deceptive. He stays on, on, the, on the manipulation. That is the way that he operates. He likes for you to be able to twist things, but if you really think about it, he has a personal issue with that verse. There's a direct offense in that verse. So I don't know about you, but I say let's just go ahead and take it apart. Can we do that? Let's figure out his real understanding. Okay, so that's John 3.16. I would hope that y'all would have known that by now, but I'm not going to assume that everybody went to vacation Bible school like me. John 3.16, and look, it's King James. We're going old school. King James Version. I hear pages turning. I love that I hear pages turning, by the way. That is great. I'm going to get a paper Bible. I have one, but I'm going to bring it to church now because I'm going I'm, that, that is like, that's deep right there. That's real salvation. You know Jesus real, real, real when he's on paper. <laughs> when he's not in the same app as your Facebook, when he got pages, that's real Jesus. I'm talking too much. Okay. John 3.16. Look, some of us went to go get our scripture and saw our notifications. You got distracted. Go back to the Bible. John 3.16. Okay. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So we have for God, our Father, for God, perfection, representing the heavenlies, our God so loved the world, flawed, broken, earthly. You get that? We have for God, perfection, heavenly, so loved the world, flawed, broken. We have perfection, heavenly, earthly, but right there in the middle it is that he's so loved. He's so loved. And why is that so powerful? Because it is right there in the love that he has for us that draws the two realms together. It's right there in the love that he has for us is where heaven meets earth. And the greatest gift ever known to man is given, our Savior. See, it's so easy to read past that scripture, read past that sentence and miss the meat of that thing is that for God so loved, so loved the world. Now, that's the part that the enemy takes direct offense to. He has a problem with that part. Why? Because it was God's love for us that compelled him to bring a savior. 
And why is he so personally offended? Is because the flawed, broken version of the world is his love, God's love compelled him to bring a savior for us. But when the enemy was flawed, broken, and messed up, there was no savior sent for him. He lost his place when he messed up. There was no love for him when he lost his spot. So that makes him like the jealous ex. Listen, you either know one or you are one. Okay? It's like that jealous ex that can't understand that, like, they moved on and why, what is it about them? Like, why are you so settled down and happy with them? Like, all the things that I wanted you to do, now you're doing with them. Oh, you guys bought a house? You did buy a house and we were together. Oh, you, you're, getting, you're getting married? You didn't ask me to marry you. Like, it's the, the jealous ex. And because he has such a problem, because you do realize we're his full replacement. Like, we got his job and all. We got the love he wasn't offered. We got the spot he wasn't offered. He, he's, he got a problem. He has a problem with us. It is personal. And until you realize that you're dealing with somebody that has a personal problem with you, you handle them different. And you need to understand. See, that's what I'm saying. I'm all about the exposed. I'm all about, and we're exposing him today because some of us have made friends with the jealous ex. That's a, never a good idea. Some of us have gotten comfortable engaging with the jealous ex, not realizing that all the time he's manipulating the situation and relationship, belittling the relationship that you have. Okay, so we want to walk through this and expose the enemy this morning, okay? Sound good? Are you on board? Okay, so throughout time, throughout our lives, throughout our relationship, I'm going to just key in on three different schemes that I spot. Now, mind you, he's a, he is the master of manipulation, so there's billions. But today we're going to talk about three because I'm three points, three, three, three points. Three points on the enemy's scheme to manipulate. And he starts this in such a subtle way. And our first one, look, I got points. Points. Our first point is he discredits the source. He discredits the source. Because he understands that if I discredit the source of love, then you'll never be able to trust its supply. And he's so, so manipulative, he starts before you can connect the cognitive thought. Because think about it, newborn babies, babies are born and they're blank canvas. They don't have a vocabulary. They can only grasp concepts to make an understanding. So what they learn when they're in their parents' arms is that love comforts. I'm cuddled in my parents' arm. This is good. Love comforts. And then, like, when you're holding them and you're feeding them and you're holding the bottle and you're looking down at them and they're looking up at you and they realize love provides. Like, I don't know her name. I don't know his name. They're, to me, they're just love. And love, love provides. Or when they're scared and you put them in the crib or you put them in their own room or whatever and they start, and they get freaked out. And in comes mommy and daddy and they look over the bed or they come and turn on the light and they come in the room and they look over at them and they say, love protects. And they make these connections to what they've decided love is. But for many of us, we were trusted with sources that were broken. So instead of learning the concept as designed, we learned twisted versions of what it was. And now what should provide protection, 
I should be able to trust this source for protection. I should be able to trust this source for provision. I need to be able to trust this source for comfort. But because he's tainted it and he's manipulated it, now I can't trust it to be what it's designed to be. So instead of feeling protected by love, because I was put in the hands of someone who was broken, who mishandled me, who mishandled it. Now, instead of feeling protected where I feel loved, now I'm guarded. And as you grow under that thought, you start to think to yourself, you know what, I'd just rather not. When babies cry, the, the time it takes to you to respond teaches them a trust. I know that when I cry, you come. But when, you, when nobody comes, you teach yourself to self-soothe. And the enemy has manipulated it so to where when we cry out, we say, it's all right, I'll figure it out. It's okay, I'll get it. Because I'm used to no one coming for me. I'm used to not being God. I'm used to not being protected. Somebody say, for God so loved. Oh, come on, weak class. For God so loved. The second thing that the enemy does is he changes the definition. He changes the definition before we get the chance to identify it for ourselves. What am I saying? Okay, so I understand that there are children in the room, and I'm going to tread lightly, but I'm only going to tread so lightly because in my, in my desire to be cautious, I understand that I'm dealing with a reckless enemy, and the things that I am not saying in front of them, he is. So I will tailor my tongue only because I'm a mother and I'm respectful of the fact that there's other people's children in the house. But I want mothers and fathers to understand the enemy's not playing with your kids. We're going to cotton tongue it right now, but he's, he's coming at them direct. Amen? Amen? And so there's a spot in us that thrives on giving and receiving love. The, it, the, the Lord has planted seeds in us that can only be watered by love. That's what they're for. He planted seeds. He sends love to water the seeds. And it's a, it's, it's a cycle. And we learn to give and receive love. There's a spot in our design for it. We're designed that way. But what the enemy has done is he's introduced different concepts like arousal and over-sexualized images and pornography and other things of suggestive natures. And he's taken the label love off of where it's actually needed and put it on lust. And so before you have the the ability to identify it, now you still have the need for this unidentified space that I'm still looking for, I'm still searching for, I'm still longing for, but I don't know what that gap is. However, over here I put the tag on lust. And the reason that's so dangerous is when we try to water what love is called to grow with lust, we poison it. Lust can never water seeds planted for love. And anytime you try to wedge lust into love spot, you break things. Amen? And there's still the deficit. There's still the need for it. We have whole families built on lust. And the, the thing that makes it really hard is that we're saying it now in conversation so it's clear. But the truth of the matter is it's not clear in our heads. 
So we're disappointed because love isn't producing what it's supposed to produce. Love isn't doing what we're taught that love is supposed to do. And we feel like love is the issue because we can't identify it because love doesn't feel like this does. So then we go for the searching. And that's why we have so many people, I was going to say young people, but it's all people, doing things to seek the reaction of love, but it's lust. It's broken. Amen? Amen? So now we have labels that have been misidentified. We have sources that have been discredited. Father doesn't mean love, yet we need love. And we're sitting in settings like this and we say, the Father loves you. And I don't have a reference, a safe reference for Father, and I have no identification of love. So then what do we do? We just put the beat back to it. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's safer in a beat. Mm-hmm. Meaningless. Mm-hmm. 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 And I can go along, I can sing it along, but I have no reference to tie it to. I have no experience to tie it to. And it becomes just the regular beat. I can get it back, I can parrot it to you, I can sing it to myself, because I have no, it has no meaning to me. But I think it does, because I get the prize. I see a result. I see stuff coming from it. And I myself can't grab the concept. There's a third scheme. And see, you know why he's so tricky? It's because he always puts in that safety clause. Because just in case you should get over the first two humps, the next one he puts in place is unworthiness. Because should you ever figure it out, should you ever come in contact with love, I'll just make sure you don't ever feel like you deserve it or that it applies to you. And you see, there's such a thread in this because it leaves you seeking all the time. You're still longing for it because you have stuff that needs to be watered for. And not only that, you have things that you need to water. But we sit in settings and we just feel unworthy. We don't have a word for it. But he presents shame. And condemnation. Have you ever sat in the presence of God and you see it going on around everybody and you want to jump in so bad and you can't understand why you can't get there? Like, I'm so disconnected. Like, everybody else is just going in and I just can't get there. I can't get to where it is. And he, like, creates this blockage. And then there's a them and a you. Like, it's the holy people and that place I long to be and I can't be. It's because he has set up this thing and he's playing it in your head how unworthy and how not like them you are and how they must be real right and they're real deep and then there's me. Let me tell you guys a secret. I'm going to tell you tell on every church person. Ain't none of us perfect. Everybody likes to talk about what they did but nobody's like to talk about what they're doing. There are 24 hours in a day. I can guarantee you, you will disappoint God at some point in that day. We like to talk about the testimony. Testimonies. Be bad. Rearview mirror like testimonies. No, but that's why we repent daily, all of us. Let me say it in a mic with a title. None of us are perfect. And the same God who loves us loves you. Flaws and all. One of my favorite parts of scripture is David. And I'm going to jump there quick and I'm going to come right back. David, I'm going to introduce just like you guys might, not everybody knows. David was a shepherd's boy. He had a whole bunch of brothers. 
And the prophet was sent to go and pick the, uh, the next king. He was sent to Jesse's house. That's David's dad. He was sent to Jesse's house to go and anoint the king. So Jesse comes out with all his sons. He lines all his sons up. The prophet comes and he's like, no, he's not the king. That's not the one. That's not the one. That's not the one. Jesse, do you have more sons? Because none of these are the ones that God sent. And Jesse's reply is, I have another son, but you can't be talking about David. He's out there with the sheep. He's a shepherd. He's not like, these are the good sons. Pick one of them. Like, no, none of these are it. He calls David out from the field. David is out there shoveling sheep, boo-boo. And he calls him out from the field. But when the prophet sees David, he says, that's the one. And he anoints him. But my favorite part of the story is at no point do they say that he showered David first, that he cleaned David first, that he prepared David first. What did he do? He anointed David dirty. I had to make sure I said that out loud because for some of you, the enemy has been telling you you have to get right first to be worthy. But if you just come, he can do all the cleaning and the anointing. You just need to come. For years, I worked for the Department of Children and Families, and um, I would get kids, little kids, and I have to pick them up, and I become their, their caseworker. So now I'm going to see you weekly, and I'm going to make sure that where we place you, you're safe. And there was always this trend that I noticed in certain cases when I read their, um, their bio is depending on the level of abuse, when I would get the children, they would not look up at me. They would either shift their eyes towards me but never lift their heads or lift their head and then look away from me. And I knew then that they don't trust me yet. They're, they're so consumed by what has happened to them that they can't trust me. And I had to teach myself because these are little children and I'm, gonna, I'm your person now. I got you. I'm going to make sure that you're okay. And I, what I would do is I would come down to where they are to make sure I was on their level. I'd say, come here. Come here. Come here, look at me. And I would tell them who I am. And let them know, come here, come here, babe. I'm here with you now. And I'm going to give you my number. And I'm going to make sure that you're okay. But I needed for them to be able to look at me so that they can trust me. But what God does, I mean, what the enemy does is he takes this unworthiness and he puts it on you so that when God says, come here, you can't. I can't look your way. When he's trying to tell you, I love you, I adore you. It's, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's sad that we have to cringe at the love of the father, but he's, the enemy is manipulative. And he's been working this agenda since we were little, so we don't know how to look our dad in the face. God. We've always had a house full of boys. Well, depending on whatever the sport was, it was either basketball, it was full of the basketball team. It was football, it was full of the football team. But there was always a bunch of boys in our house. And we would go to the games to support them, and we would notice the other boys on the team that didn't have fathers in the house. Because when the coach spoke, they didn't know how to respond. They didn't know how to look to him and say, yes, sir, and go back out. They would continue to play, but they couldn't ever really look and engage it because they couldn't look him in the face. Why? Because they didn't understand the relationship of a father. They didn't understand their instruction of a father. And the enemy has been working this agenda from the beginning of time. But we're exposing lies today, am I right? We're exposing tricks of the enemy today. So I know some of us are sitting under the word, and I'm getting ready to close. You're sitting under the word, and you hear, you know what? I can go back in my life, and I can find these things, and you're right. He's been tricking me. He's been tricking me before I had a chance to see the game right. And see, what makes it so 
enraging almost is that once he starts this will, he can let it go because you'll do the rest. It's not something he has to sit on your shoulder and keep reminding you of. Not only will you continue to spin down this cycle, you'll pass it. I'll tell you how. We do things like this. Let that baby cry. Ain't no baby ever die from crying. So they have to learn to self-soothe. Or just go ahead and pop the, you don't have to hold them every time you feed them. Sit over there, put the bottle in there, all right. They never get to learn that. Five. We teach ourselves silly sayings like making love. I always used to tell my girls in my group, um, honey, if you waited until you got in the bed for love to be created, you're going to get up, but your feelings hurt. We embrace these concepts as if they're truth, and then we pass them along, and then we just work his agenda for him. And then here comes moments like this where we have to be vulnerable with God, and we have no reference at all that he so loved us, that he loves us so dearly, that he, he stopped the wage of sin, brought a savior to buy us back. Oh, God. Don't let it sound cliche because it's just too real too. Okay, so you're sitting here and you say, you know what? That's me. I can see it. I found these different spots in my life. I see where I can relate. I see where I can adjust. But now what? You don't ever give a diagnosis without a prescription. You don't do that. You don't point out the problem without a solution. Amen? I love that in Scripture there are what I call rescue verses. When you find a rescue verse in Scripture, I encourage everybody who reads the Bible, read the Bible with a pack of Post-its next to you. Because when you stumble across a rescue verse, write it down, stick it somewhere, because you're going to need to be able to go to that. I'm, I'm giving you strategy. I'm just giving you strategy. Rescue verses. Psalms 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And the reason why I love that so much is it says, Create in me. God, you can't refurbish this one because this one never had it right from the jump. Create in me. I need it from scratch, God, because even as a baby, I never saw it right. Create in me. I need you to make a whole new one, all from from start. A clean heart. One that that is able to receive. One that can hit the radar, can feel and receive love. One that hasn't been exposed to the lie. One that can honestly see and understand your love for me. Create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. Now that can be renewed because that came from him from the beginning. Because that was right because we got that from our dad. We got that from the father. Renew a right spirit within me. And I need it renewed, God, because the damage that the old heart did to my spirit, only you can repair Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Would you stand to your feet? Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.